For this interview, I'm going to be talking to the one, the only, Sigurbuddy from Iceland. Sigurbuddy is, uh, well, I think first of all he was mostly known for his music, but since then, as well as storytelling amongst other things, he's now uh, working alongside his wonderful fiance Ravenhilde in tattooing in Iceland. Um, it's it's insane how quickly he's coming on with his work. It's very impressive. Um, yeah, he's a wonderful guy and a good friend of mine. So it was a pleasure recording this. So I hope you're going to enjoy it too. So we are jumping into this head on for organic flow. How you doing, man? I'm all right. Yeah. How's uh How's Iceland in Ragnarok? Uh now we're we'll, we're still on lockdown and winter has begun. So now we have storms and freezing and lockdown. <laughs> so it is truly the apocalypse over here. Well, let's hope that you know when it comes round to this one, uh, to the end of uh, end of the winter, that it isn't just going to continue for another nine winters, and you'll you know start doing all of the weird shit in the prophecy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite there of wanting to kill my brother just yet, but you know, it may happen according to the prophecy that brothers will kill brothers. <laughs> but your so, cousins are starting to look quite sexy. Is that what you're yeah. saying? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, you know, I was thinking about on this one about you know me and you uh, just having a chat on this that you know sort of the idea is to just talk about interesting things uh, more than anything. And we're going to home in on some storytelling and stuff. Mm. So talking about interesting things, I, I think it'd be yeah. kind of cool to talk about the seeress in that prophecy. Uh, that that's supposed to happen in Iceland, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's said that it was. Well, it was it was written in Iceland. Yeah. Well. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know how much about <laughs> you know about it, but I've heard that she. I don't, you know, I don't know. It was supposed to be that there was supposed to be Christian more or less but there was hard times so they thought they'd have her come along and uh, do some stuff and people would sing the songs that, uh, to initiate the you know to you know to get the mood going and everyone knew the songs even though they're not supposed to and she had a cat skin hood cat skin gloves lots of cat skin basically and um yeah what what do you know about that uh i've never heard of that no but i i wouldn't be surprised cuz you know we had a lot of different seruses uh and there some have been found like actual archaeological there was one found in a cave who had all like pearls and stuff on her uh i haven't heard that with with if you're talking about Völuspál, like the the prophecy of the world from the Eddie poems i might be mixing things uh, up but this specific thing i think thing, i'm mixing things up yeah <laughs> uh, yeah maybe <laughs> but but who knows? I don't know. I don't know everything. I could. It could be that you're right. Tell me about the one in the cave. I don't know about that. Oh, uh, so we we call her the Blue Lady. That's quite fascinating. Um, 
she was found uh, in the east. Uh, there was a hunter who was walking around looking for birds or something to shoot. And his dog found bones in a cave. Well, it wasn't really a cave. It was more like a crevice or something like near a river. And it was in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing, even archaeologically, like towns. This was up on a mountain far in the, like, no one would ever go there. And there was a woman lying there. She was, you know, obviously a skeleton. But she was very well preserved. Like, no animals had been nibbling on her or anything. She was just lying there. There was a bunch, bunch and bunch of little pearls like and glass beads. And uh, she was clearly wealthy. And especially because she wore a blue dress. And blue was, like... Not even kings were blue because, like you, I think you need saffron to make blue in those times anyway. So, you know, you need to get your hands on saffron, which is already super expensive. So, yeah, she so she was of great import and of great importance. And there have been similar uh, graves found in Norway with women lying with loads and loads of beads, and they were always these seeresses or uh, witches or vulvas or what have you. And so that points that, you know, she also was. And if, we don't know if she, she died when she was just having a walk or if this was some kind of ritual for her to go to her final resting place on her own. And another fascinating thing about her is that she, it's likely, you know, they, I don't know how they do it. They check her bone structure, molecular stuff. And it's very likely that she actually came from the far east as far as mongolia or or her like her parents came from there or something like that it was, she was quite far away uh, her lineage anyway so it's quite fascinating like how would she end up in iceland only to die on, on a mountain like just like any old hunter would yeah that's crazy you know i think that's actually really interesting when i've you know, the more I've looked into the Viking Age, um, <clears throat> like the idea of how much people travelled at that time. And I think it's really odd, actually, that there's so much sort of pushback from some people about saying like, oh, you've got Marxist views about saying this and that, whatever. It's like, I don't give a shit about that. I'm interested in the history and what people actually did. I don't have any agendas of any of that kind of stuff. Um, mm. So like, you know, the... I remember reading about one lady, and maybe you're going to know her name, but like in her time, she she was part of the the well. She went over to Greenland from Iceland and went and settled in Greenland with Eric the Red, and then headed over to uh, Vinland, battled with the uh, Native Americans or the, mm -hmm. the Skraelings, and then and uh, probably slaving. And then at another point of her life, she went and went uh, to Rome probably met the Pope, uh, had sons in the Virgin Guard that would have served over in, you know, uh, yeah, Constantinople, mm -hmm. and made it back to Iceland and died at something like 80 or 90 years old or so. And they reckon that she was one of the most well-traveled people in her day. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember her name. I'm pretty useless with stuff like that. Yeah, but we, we can also... Like, uh, when people were sailing from, from Norway or Denmark to Iceland... You can imagine with like weeks of sailing and 
battling the elements, but in a really good condition, you could make it there in three days. You know, if you had the headwinds yeah. and everything, obviously that wouldn't be the, so maybe like you could estimate like a week to get there. So it wasn't this massive of a distance as people some things like you would go to Iceland and you wouldn't even bother going back because there's like half your life. Yeah. <laughs> but so traveling that much was was definitely possible and people did it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's pretty cool that she would travel so much all the way from Milind and then to Turkey within a lifetime is still very impressive yeah. for one person. I mean, I've, I've heard the like, you know, if you've got good weather, you can make it from Denmark to to England in two days one way as well which is again but then you hear about like people making a cross and say from that the shortest distance in between France and England and they get stuck out in the middle of nowhere for two weeks so it's all just luck of the draw I think you know what I'm um I'm gonna tell you a story since um since that's what we were said we were gonna do on this one um talking of graves because I, I fucking love talking about like interesting graves and stuff I know you've heard me ranting a little bit about uh, about some of the things that are around here in North Wales around me or more specifically around Llandidno, my hometown so you know um, you've got the, the Great Orm uh, where, where I grew up and then on the other side of Llandidno you've got the Little Orm and uh, on the Little Orm there was a cave that was excavated Sadly, I can't remember the date. Um, and in this cave, they they started digging, and on the top layers of it, they found a Bronze Age spear. So we can say that, let's just say it's around 3,000 years old or something. And then they started digging a bit further down, and then they found this uh, amazingly well-preserved skeleton of a woman from about, I want to say about eight or 9,000 years ago. I think it's around 8,000 years. And it was really, really like well preserved, and they would have found out a lot about about her if uh, her skeleton wasn't put in a washing machine by a senile old lady in the museum, uh, which is a travesty. And, and uh, she was buried with a pig ceremoniously, and then they dug a little bit. Uh, they kept digging down, and underneath her, they found the remains of uh, hippos and hyenas. Really, like, uh, hippos from around here, and uh, there's, yeah, yeah, or oh, definitely hyenas. I think it was hippos or rhinos. I think it's hippos. <laughs> um, yeah, so like loads of crazy stuff happened in this cave over you know over thousands of years because at one point it was tropical around here and there was lots of things happening. Mm. But um, yeah, that's my little story for you. Thanks. Let's go back to Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> back to Iceland. Yeah. Uh well, yeah, I've, I've got a story for you as well. Um, this one is so like you, you made a request of me of of some Icelandic tales. I sure did. And I'm feeling uh, rigid. Come on, bring it on. You sure did. Well, so most of our stories, you've already heard a version from either Celtic or German folklore. So yeah, we basically stole <laughs> all of our stories. And the other ones that are like, yeah, so there there was a ghost and then the priest came and now <laughs> yeah. there's no ghost. <laughs> but, you know, the, the <laughs> there are a few. There are a few uh, that are specifically Icelandic or, you know, that at least I didn't found any sources that were 
not from other countries. So this, this, so this one is called the Deacon of, of Mirkau. Okay. Uh, Mirkau means like dark river. And uh, Mirkau is a, is a town in Eyjafjörður, which is in the north, close to a town called Akureyri, which we call like the capital in the north. I think it's the second largest city in Iceland. And uh, there was a there was a deacon, and uh, he had he was a he was a lovely chap, very handsome, and he was sweet on a girl from like the next town over, and uh, he you know they they were sort of flirting and and uh, you know he he had some he had some cool stuff like he had his own house and he had a horse yeah. named Grani, uh, no not Grani. Uh, Grauni, sorry, Grauni, which is like the grey one. Uh, yeah, which yeah, so like in in the in the Faroese version, Grauni is the is the horse that that Sir Fopnisbani or the Sir the bane of the dragon uses to take the gold from the dragon. Uh, whatever, I'm I'm getting off tangent. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, and they they decide that you know um. It's December, and uh, he's gonna say, "I'm gonna pick you up on Christmas Day, and we're gonna go to a ball, and we're gonna have some fun, and party, like it's you know, 1700s dress up warm." Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but uh, a week earlier, he's he's sitting at home, and he you know he really really wants to see her, you know perhaps it was libido. Perhaps he was just boredom. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, but it's it's really snowy and icy and cold and dark outside. But he's like, yeah, fuck it, you know, I'm gonna go anyway. And he needs to cross a bridge over Mirkau, the the dark river. And the bridge gives in, and he falls into the river and hits hits the back of his head, and it splits open, and he dies. And the next morning, a farmer... Uh, that is not ideal. No, uh, you don't really That's want that not, happening. No. no. Uh, so a farmer finds him, uh, and his horse is really distressed, and, you know... It, it, let's let's just say the horse lived, you know, because you know, you know, that's that's a better version of the story anyway. <laughs> Traumatized <laughs> and, forever, uh, but yeah. Could, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, so you... The, the weather is horrible... So they just, you know, they just bury him and they can't really get a message to the girl that he's died. There's like, okay, we need to wait for the weather to let her know that, you know, your your fiance is is dead. Uh but, you know, life goes on. They bury him next to the church. So he uh her name is uh, Guðrún, which is a very common like Icelandic name. It's like yeah, especially the East Party was like something. With a, a lot of not all names have something good in them, like Guðrún, Guðjón, Guðrún, and Guð means God, and Rún means Rún. You know, her name is God Rún, which is a common name. And uh, she's sitting on Christmas Day, getting ready, putting on all her layers of dresses and whatnot. And uh, there's a knock on the door, and she looks outside. Can I just interject and just say I feel like this this story is not going to have a happy ending. Oh, what do you mean? Who knows? I mean, this is an Icelandic story, so you know. 
you never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> they don't and, usually uh, have happy endings. <laughs> no, just like our entire nation, it doesn't really have an happy <laughs> ending. <laughs> yeah, there's a knock on the door, and there he is. He's he's uh, he's standing there with his with a hood over his head, and you know the horse is standing there going like and all that. Nay. And she's like, Winnie. oh, you're here. You're kind of... <laughs> Nay. <laughs> she, he's like, oh, you're, you're kind of early. Let me let me just get my... Uh, I don't know what it's called in English. Hempa. It's like a, it's like a hood, but it also yeah. has sleeves on it. Uh, we call it hempa anyway. And she's in a hurry. So you, she only puts on like one arm into the sleeve and the other she just kind of wraps around her her shoulder she jumps on the horse and being that this is iceland they don't really talk and that's completely normal icelanders don't talk unless there's something to talk about so we just so they just sat there on the horse in silence and uh it it was completely like dark outside but the moon was shining between the clouds so sometimes it would peek out and you could see a little bit and then it went dark again and at one point when the when the moon was picking out his his the horse went over a rock or something and his hood popped off and she could see a white patch on the back of his head and uh you know got frightened of course and he said to her maunin líður dauðin ríður sérðu ekki hvítan blett í nakka mínum garun garun uh, and in translation is, uh, the moon fades, death rides, don't you see a white spot on the back of my head, garun garun. Because he can't say guðrun, he can only say garun because, you know, he's he's dead, he's a zombie. So he, he and she immediately like, okay, that's, that's fucked up, why wouldn't he say my name? Uh, so they ride on a little further and they're close to... She's getting a red flag. Mm-hmm. A red flag indeed. They're getting close to the church where he's buried. When when he when he jumps off the horse and says, "Bittu hjerna garun garun, meðan ég flýtan faxa faxa upp fyrir garða garða." It's uh, wait here, garun garun, while I move faxi faxi, which is a uh, name for, like for a horse over the fence fence. Uh. That's when she realizes, like, like she's in danger, and she runs into the the bell tower and starts ringing a bell, and uh, she, you know, she she doesn't know what to do. So he comes up behind her and grabs her shoulder and rips really hard, but she didn't put on her cloak properly, so he falls backwards into his grave, and the mud or like sort of like goes back over it. And she keeps ringing the bell until all the townspeople come over. But it's not over. You see, <laughs> he, he, he's, you know, he's back in his grave. But there's no one to stop him from just coming back up. So for a week, he keeps coming back up and bothering her and trying to get her to come to the ball. Which, you know, who knows what he's going to do with her. So they get uh, a, a guy called... I think she should go to the ball. Yeah, maybe she should just go for it. I think she should, yeah. Dance with the dead. <laughs> What's uh, the worst that can happen? <laughs> yeah. So so they uh, 
Remember, I went with you to the the Magic Museum in in Holmavik. I do remember. I remember well. Uh, back when you were here in Iceland, yeah, you do remember, yeah. So they get a a guy from Holmavik to come north. Holmavik is like a really magical town in Iceland. There's a lot of history of both, you know, burning witches and also becoming witches in that town. And uh, he comes over and he does this like big on with you ghosts and that doesn't work and he's like oh let me get my potions and that doesn't work either so he just orders like a bunch of men to drag a massive massive rock and just place it on top of his grave <laughs> and so he can't get out and that and that rock is still there true story mm. and that stops him then yeah i mean he can't lift the rock he's not a super zombie <laughs> he's well, I don't know how Icelandic zombies work, so Well, they can't lift rocks, so you know, if you're if you're ever, <laughs> if you're having trouble just to hand them a rock. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I like it, man. That's a good story. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I don't Hmm. I don't think I would like to have gone to the ball with the with the Icelandic zombie man, to be to be fair. Uh I mean, like you said, you you never know. Maybe this would have been a really different story if she would have gone with him and they had a, had a blast and uh, lived happily ever after. He just, you know, his jaw sort of just falls off once in a while and he has to patch up the hole in the back of his head. But otherwise, they're happy, you know. I reckon, like... But that didn't happen. The other one, that that did happen, you know, because, you know, my grandfather was there. He, he saw it happen. <laughs> It's true. I reckon if she did go to the ball, every song that would have played would have been zombie-related as well. <laughs> and then she'd be getting some strong vibes that this was not right. <laughs> yeah. The the dance of death with uh, with Iron Maiden. Yeah. Well, I have a story for you as well. Um, sadly, I don't think I'm telling it perfectly because I don't think I've actually heard this story getting told to me since I was a child because my primary school was named after this story and I haven't heard it since I was there so it's probably a little bit twisted and as it is I've tried to look it up on the internet to see if I can find a reference for it and it's not anywhere other than in my primary school and I know I'm not making it up because my school is named after it it's called Rianeth and, uh, and, and this is the story of it so, um, like in, in Welsh, in Welsh mythology and Welsh myths and stuff, we have a lot of stories of lost lands. Uh, like England in Welsh is called Lloegr, and uh, it's different from what we call the, the English because we call them Saison, which is like Saxons. Uh, so, like Lloegr is the idea of a lost land. And there's lots of other stories about losing land to the sea as well. And, you know, obviously this would have happened a long time ago as well. Uh, so, you know, they don't completely come out of nowhere, but, you know, there's lots of different versions of it, and this is one of them. So the idea is that off the uh, the coast of here, in between the Great Orm and Llandedno and Anismorn, uh, or Anglesey, like it's now sea, but the myth goes that that used to be a land, and that there was a uh, there was a tribe that lived there, and the chieftain had a daughter called Rhiannith, 
and uh, there was a young warrior that wanted her hand, but he was not he was not high enough, uh, you know, up up the uh, up the pecking order to <laughs> to put his pecker in her. So he went about trying to trying to figure out how to do this because she she was definitely into him as well and she kept giving mixed signals about it she's like yeah i really want you but you're not good enough you know oh if only you were good enough and stuff <laughs> if only you were richer and if only if you had a gold talk and uh and he was like well you know hmm, we'll see so he decided one day that he was going to follow home a chieftain of another tribe he you know, crossed over the mountains and he found this chieftain who was coming out of the pub completely wasted and he was staggering home and this warrior just jumped him from behind like he knifed him in the back uh which according to the story was really uncool and uh yeah i guess it's probably still really uncool it's uh, always uncool it's always uncool yeah like oh. like a uh an honorable <laughs> warrior to be to be given such a, a lowly death and he's stripping him of his um, of his finery. He steals his neck talk and his uh, his arm rings and you know really fine gold, covered in latin swirly boys. And he puts them on, and then the ghost of the dead man like rises in front of him and says, "You know, man, I can't believe you fucking did this. You are such a coward and such a dick. I know why you've done this." And it is true, you are going to win Rihanna's hand for this action, but you're not going to get to enjoy it for more than a year and a day. And then if you follow through with your plan of going through with all of this and going and marrying her, you know, with all of this stolen uh, honour, I will fuck up your whole world and kill everyone you know and love. And he's like, yeah, screw you, I don't give a fuck. And he runs off, he's just like, I want to get laid. And he goes, and you know he uh, he presents himself to Rhiannith and to the chieftain, and he says, "Yeah, I I went and did some cool stuff, and I'm very brave, and I'm you know I'm just a lovely guy. I've got all of the the uh, the aspects necessary for the job. So uh, can I marry your daughter?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't see why not." And they get married, and she's pregnant, and things are going really well. They're living in the lowlands over here in a nice little roundhouse, but sure enough. A year and a day, you know, comes around very quickly, and um, there's a massive tidal wave that just comes in, and he's actually off hunting that day by chance, and he just watches from the top of the mountain from like Taliban, as he watches this tidal wave just wash away the whole village and everyone, you know, he can nearly hear the screams above the uh, the sound of the waves. And, uh, yeah, he just has to live with the shame for the rest of his life. And that's what my primary school is named after. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. There's definitely, a, you know, a moral in that story. And that's if you're going to kill a guy for his goal, you just don't stab in them in the back, you know. You've got to do it from the front. It, yeah, You've got to yeah, be I mean, making eye contact. Him, like... Yeah, like, hey, I'm gonna stab you, and like, no, you're not. Like, I, I, at least I told you I'm gonna do it, and then you, you got know, to go at least it. shout a surprise or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, of course, like I mentioned earlier, 
that our folk tales are stolen and all that. But, you know, we do have, like, the Icelandic sagas and the Eddic poems, and that was, that was all, well, not all of it, but it was mostly written down here uh, in Iceland. Uh, but there, but there's a, there's one guy I find particularly inter interesting. He was called Saimdur Frode. Uh, Frode means the wise one. So Saimdur, the, the smarty pants. Mm. And, uh, he, he was from a place called Otti. And, uh, he was, you know, this, this guy was absolutely real. He was, uh, he was like a Latin scholar. He was one of the first, he lived... Uh, like I think he was born like in the 11 or 1200s or something he you know and uh, 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 he yeah there was another guy born in Otti later who learned from Simondur and his name was Snorri Sturluson uh, so Simondur was his can I just anglicize his name for a second yeah uh, his name then anglicized would be Simon Frodo yeah, <laughs> Simon Frodo, exactly. So Frodo, uh, Frodo was uh, Snorri's teacher, teacher, uh, and like ah. ah, but they're like because he was he was an absolute legend and apparently was a really fun guy. Frodo, <laughs> he was. Uh, there's a bunch of tales that have been crafted about him that. You know, I want to say probably didn't happen because, you know, you never know. So he he had a lot of dealings with the devil. And uh, the devil in Iceland has so many different names. Uh, they call him like Fjanti, Anskoti, Kulski. And yeah, we have a bunch of them. And most of our swears as well are, are we like, it's just like, Hell, devil, devil, hell, devil, devil. That's when an Icelander is really mad. It's like anskotans, helvitis, fjandans, anskotans. And in this, and these, and and uh, Simon de Frode was always dealing with a guy called Kölski, and Kölski is the devil, just another name for him. And uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of tales spun around him. And some of them are probably adapted from other stories. Like there's one where he's he's studying in Rome, and he needs to get back to Iceland, and he just misses the boat, you know, because there's apparently just one boat per year or something. So he he makes a deal with the devil that uh, if you can get me to Iceland, I will you can have my soul and uh, he turns into a seal and swims with him on his back and when they're just about to reach Iceland he whacks him on the head and swims the rest of the way so you know the devil didn't get him all the way to Iceland you know these sort of <laughs> li like kind of children's stories uh, but there's a, there's one story that uh, I find particularly fun uh, which is actually kind of similar to the other one a little bit. So he went to a school called Svartiskoli, or just the, the black school, where you can learn magic, and, and mostly black magic. And uh, when you go in the school, 
uh, it's always pitch black inside and uh, it, it's run by the devil and like when you walk in there's like you sign a deal like those who go in will lose their soul and he goes in and he studies and he's there for for three years studying every day just by candlelight learning black magic and there's a a hand in the wall that you know when you're when there's you know lunch time or dinner time there's a hand that pokes out of the wall and gives you food and then just mm. go and that's all the interaction with the devil he ever has in there but when the three years are, are done uh they say that like the last person to leave belongs to the devil and so what he does is he he like grabs a, a leg of mutton and puts it in his sleeve and so you know when when everybody's leaving the devil is shaking their hand like giving them their, the diploma like oh here you go you're no dark wizard and so he shakes the hand with the mutton and then runs away <laughs> so the devil couldn't catch him <laughs> but yeah there's a bunch of these like yeah <laughs> i like it and it shows that the lesson of it is is to be sneaky as fuck. Yeah, and uh, apparently it's really easy to to mess with the devil, and there's no repercussions whatsoever. <laughs> well, I like that. I like that, but he definitely went to hell then. <laughs> well, you know, all this time he's like, yeah, I definitely got away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently the devil he he doesn't really seek vengeance when when somebody messes with him. He just kind of like, all right, yeah, you got away, yeah, that's uh, it's fine. Oh damn, <laughs> God, I'm not very damn. good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one time he uh, he challenges him to to like, I bet you can't get through this small hole in this tree, and the devil turns into a squirrel and goes through, and then like get, I bet you can't get through this ring, and he turns into like a, a worm and he crawls through the ring. And he's like, I, I bet you can't get into this, uh, this uh, like leg bone, and he turns into something else and goes into the leg bone, and Simon Frodo he puts a cap in the leg bone so he can't get out, so he hasn't trapped mm -hmm. in the leg bone. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all facts. I saw it happen. Icelandic facts with Sigurdur. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Trying to think if I know any devil stories from around here. They're all a bit shit. There's a couple of ones like saying that like there's a point like when back in the day, you know, where you used to have horses and carriages and shit. They'd be going from here to, to Rose on Sea. And there was always a spot where the horses would always freak out and break the reins and go running off and they were like, Yeah, the devil was spooking them right there. We would just you know, we would just have stories. Maybe Maybe there's more of a chance that cars will get a flat tire around there now. Yeah, yeah. We we would just have stories of farmers going uh, to a party on their horse carriage, and when they were done, you know, drinking, they would just stumble into the carriage, and the horse would take them home. So people <laughs> would prank each other and switch the horses, so people would go to nice. each other's homes. <laughs> but I mean, we we also got a bunch of stories related to. Uh, sort of Halloweeny Christian uh and Christmassy stuff. 
I mean, I don't know how many people are aware that we we in Iceland we do Christmas very differently from other nations. Um, well, except except like the the Christmas Day, that's the normal, you know, open up the gifts and all that. But things leading up to it and afterwards. So we have thirteen, uh, uh, like Yule lads. So it's not like Santa Clauses; they're like Yule lads. And uh, so the stories are like back in the day, they used to be pranksters and evildoers, and they would mess with people, and they all have <laughs> nicknames accordingly. Like one is like uh, like Wiener Stealer or something. So he would sneak into your smokehouse and and steal your steal your sausages. And one is like uh, door slammer. So he would like when everyone's asleep, he would open up your door and slam it real hard because he's, he's you know a giant dick. And uh, but you know then like they all they all learn compassion and now they give kids gifts. So like for thirteen days before Christmas, like starting on the eleventh, yeah, kids would get kids would put their shoe into the windowsill on their bedroom and when they wake up they would have a, a little like maybe a bouncy ball or a bit of chocolate or something you know a gift from from the, the santa clauses and uh, if we if we dig a little deeper into you know icelandic lore uh, their mother called grilla she's uh, she's not too far off from that uh german krampus uh, I don't know which one is older regarding the legend, but I think Grilla is like she's mentioned in Snorreta, Grilla. But I don't know if that the story of how she behaves is older than Krampus, so there might be some mixing there. But basically, she steals kids that misbehave around Christmas time in her sack and eats them. Mm. And so, like when I was a kid, if, if I was a be- being a little rowdy jerk, my mom would say, you know, you better behave if Gorilla is going to come and eat you. <laughs> Which, you know, this is a nice pass for parents to get their kids to behave. But, you know, in today's time, people yeah. are like, that's kind of did, child abuse. Did you ever get the sack come over your head? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was a nice kid. But, yeah, it, I mean, I would say it's a <laughs> bit of a chi- child abuse to frighten your kid like that. <laughs> so people are kind of stopping... Mm. <laughs> using that on their children um and she has a cat uh who is like a, a giant titanic cat that eats kids that don't get new clothes before christmas so that's kind of like making fun of the poor <laughs> or something so if you don't like it doesn't have to be a full set of just like you need to so it's really popular to give socks for example on christmas so like you get something so the so the Yule cat doesn't come and and eat you. I'm getting some strong um, Harry Potter vibes right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, it gets better. So so the 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 Yule lads they come one by one into town and then they leave one by one after Christmas. And after Christmas, uh, so it would be on the sixth of January. We call that the thirteenth. Because it's the 13 Yule, Yule Lads. So on the 13th, 
we have a date of that there's like a, a whale that opens between the this the spirit world and the you know human world very similar to kind of halloweeny stuff but this is more directed to like elves so there's like the elf world in iceland and people would dress up as elves nowadays they're just go as superman and you know spider-man and whatnot but they used to dress up as elves and they would dance around the fire singing songs inviting elves to come and join them so that yeah. the elves you know no one would recognize who is and isn't an elf so they're just free to join in and they can just you know get get drunk and be happy and this would sort of be the peace offering so the elves would leave us alone for the rest of the year so you can party hardy on this one day and you know just kind of don't mess with us for the rest of the year so that's uh that's our take on the on the halloween nice sort of tradition appeasing the elves do you uh, do you have um a favorite uh icelandic christmas song uh are there any that are any good for a start like well here's something <laughs> truly bizarre and there's there's been some like scandals about this back in like the the 80s icelanders would you know because there was no internet they would like travel to like maybe spain or or italy or something and they would just find any old song on the radio not christmas related related at all just some kind of like maybe jazzy samba music and they would just add sleigh bells and add christmas lyrics and so like 90 percent of icelandic christmas song are just stolen songs <laughs> with like winter themes on them <laughs> i'm oh, not I gotta making this that. up <laughs> so so yeah so so people were like there was like this scandal like people People were like, oh, so I was listening to my favorite Spanish mariachi band. And then I heard this pl song playing in the grocery store in Iceland. And they're like, no, it's a Christmas song. And like, what the, <laughs> what's going on? So, so yeah, I would say, you know, any of them, because they're all kind of funny. <laughs> but, you know, of course we, yeah, of course we did our fair share of stealing regular songs as well. That's. That's a lot of what Icelanders did because they couldn't come up with their own stuff. So they just kind of, you know, they would take Rock and Robin and make lyrics about something completely different and just claim it it was written by an Icelander because like, who's going to know? You're not going to go to England and listen to radio. No one was doing that. So it's like, oh, yeah, I wrote this song called uh, Nice Jacket and it's it's Rock and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, I'm going to tell you about uh, my favourite one <laughs> then before I tell you about some weird shit that we do at Christmas here as well. <clears throat> so, in Welsh, uh, Santa Claus is called Shodankon. Uh I, I don't know what it means. I haven't looked into that yet. Uh, so, the lyrics to this song, like, so when I was in primary school, you, you're going to know the part when I get to it when all the kids will get really fired up and would really get into the song. Because pretty much all of the rest of the songs, we we, you know, we did a lot of singing in school with the Ben Wales and sing shit. A lot of the songs, people really didn't get into them that much, but this one, you know, everyone fucking loved it. So the lyrics are, 
who is coming across the hill quietly 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 you know it's santa claus so the abridged version for you you know just the highlights is uh Sean Khan, Sean Khan, Tid, Tid, Elaud. <laughs> so the last bit is like, come down the chimney, come on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I fucking love that one. Such a good one. Anyhow, so now on to some serious Welsh uh, stuff that we do. Obviously, you've been coming over to some of the uh, the parties that we've been holding, uh, you know, around uh, winter solstice or Christmas, wherever you want to call it, in Wales with the horse skull when we do all of that stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So the origins... Yeah, it is pretty cool. Uh, obviously, I we do our own versions, uh, but it is supposed to involve lots of alcohol, for sure. Uh, so I, I got to admit, I'm not quite sure where it's been preserved most strongly, but more around mid Wales. It's the idea that you're supposed to have one person that plays the character Mary Lloyd, where you get a horse skull and you mount it on their head, and you can like put a spring so the the jaw kind of flaps a little bit, and you can put shiny things in the eyes to make it more creepy, and then you put a white cloak like a hood over the top of the skull so it covers the person as well and then you take them round on a lead and and it's you know it was usually a bunch of farmers that would take around one person dressed as Mary Lloyd I guess the person that was the weakest singer in the group because that that person was just silent and then you go up to a you know someone's door on Christmas day and you sing the song and uh, it's kind of like a bit of a rap battle. It's an excuse to sing and to show off your your range and you, you know your improv. And you sing like you know it's you know it's the day, and I want to come inside and I want to drink your alcohol and I want to eat any sweet things you've got. And the person doesn't open the door; they just go against the door and shout or sing through the door. That that's not good enough. Give me more reason why I should let you in. <laughs> And you can look at versions of this, like recordings on the BBC from 1950s, and you know, it's oh. in Welsh, but they're saying like, because I sing as well as Bill Crosby, and you know, you should let me in because I am the bomb. And they're just like, so the melody, <laughs> it's got a very particular melody to it. Um, <laughs> wait, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it because I won't do it justice. But you know, and then, obviously, yeah. Uh, most of the time they just go, all right, and they let you in and then they share the stuff with you and you have a party. But I can only think how sad it is if you've gone through all of that effort and then you do your you do your little thing and people are like, nope, you're singing shit, I'm not letting you in. Try somewhere else. You're <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite disappointed. I, yeah, yeah. I just remembered one song in particular that it's uh, it's completely ridiculous, but they teach this to kids... And like, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't even give it some thought about what this song is about. But when you just just look at the lyrics as an adult, you're like, why, why do they teach this to kids? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's very short, but it gets just repeated. Uh, so, 
Jólasveinar gangum gól með gildan staf í hendi, móðir þeirra sópar gólf og flengir þá með vendi. Upp á stól stendur mín kanna, nýju nóttum fyrir jól þá kem ég til manna. So, the lyrics are that jólasveinar, like the jólads, they walk around with a thick stick in their hand. Their mother is sweeping the floor and spanks them. <laughs> On a chair stands a, my jug, like, you know, to pour water. And nine nights before Christmas, I will come to men. It it, it makes no sense in Icelandic and English or any other language. It's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but it sounds good and that's all you need. It, I mean, it's it's a good tune. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like it. Well, it's oh. not Christmas really, but I got a fun one for you. <clears throat> it was it. Daiki bachen mendir koid, git a skidia rapotroid, daiki bachen kerde dadrevwedi kachi no skidia daiki bach. It is like two dogs go into the woods with shoes on all of their feet, and then two dogs go home. Having lost one of their shoes. Two little dogs. That's it. It's just fucking nonsense. It's is is it like uh is it like uh like ninety nine <laughs> bottles on the wall, so like they keep losing shoes. No, that's shoes it, that's literally what? it. That's that's the highlight that of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can keep adding and then they come out with a coat and then uh yeah. <laughs> and a red nose. And then you take it all off, and they, you they go and on. find the shoe, and they lose it again. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's just so many things that you get taught as a kid. You don't really think about it, but when you deconstruct it as an adult, like why, why is this song is stupid? Why, why are they teaching this to kids? It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 good to be a kid sometimes. Just. Don't think about it. I envy those songwriters, though, because I end up spending so much tri time trying to make the lyrics to my songs, you know, deep and interesting and so on. And then you get, like, people that just make up yeah. this absolute gibberish and, you know, everyone's a kid at some point, so kids love it, so almost everyone loves these songs. Maybe we're doing it wrong, man. Maybe we just got to write all songs for kids. Yeah. Yeah, we need to just make some some random text and push it really hard towards kids to like <laughs> this this is a new new Christmas song. It's about, you know, caramels and horse dung. You you're gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> I got introduced the other day to uh, the shark song on YouTube, the most played video on YouTube ever. I'm a bit late to the game. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that yeah. not too long ago. Well, maybe we can do something like that about about horse skulls and yule lads. Yeah. Get get ten billion views or whatever it has. <laughs> if we have a cute little dance to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, we need to do a choreography dance. Yeah man. <laughs> I like it. Well, I'll just uh, 
I was just thinking before, like, um, you mentioned about elves and fairies and so on. Well, you said more elves, but, you know, when it comes to Welsh mythology and, well, Welsh myths and stuff, stories, there's not always so much of a difference in between elves and fairies. Uh, if they've got red ears, you just shouldn't trust them. That's usually how it goes. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, there's quite a few stories, like, say, from around Snowdonia, where where um, they're saying that if, uh, you know, if you come across, like, people dancing at night time uh, with, you know, with red ears, you just shouldn't trust them and you shouldn't join in because there's, you know, supposedly a few people that have gone dancing with them for half an hour and, you know, the, then the next day they find out that 50 years has passed and so on and they got stuck in the, the realm of the elves and all this. So it's really interesting how, um, how, how, uh, that idea of the distortion of time and space and going into another world and stuff with these uh, with these strange characters. But like, I wanna I wanna imagine the origin of this this myth or legend, because uh, like, if I was walking in the woods or anywhere and I came upon people dancing, I would absolutely join in. But absolutely, like, somebody must. Yeah, somebody must have been in a really pissy mood and seen these people dancing and was like, no, no, I, I don't want to do this. Is, this is uh, against God or something. And he just completely knocked it for everyone because he wasn't in a mood to dance. <laughs> so he ruined it. So people can't go dancing in the woods anymore because some fuddy-duddy was like, oh, no, I, I don't feel like dancing. <laughs> so if someone else would have been like, Oh, next time I don't feel like dancing. Yeah, like dancing. <laughs> like next <laughs> time you <laughs> see see people dancing in the wood with red ears, you should absolutely trust them. <laughs> Maybe that's in a different timeline. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna take as the listener, if you're gonna take anything away from this podcast, it's if you find elves, you should definitely join in. You know, and if a zombie turns up and tries to take you to the ball, you should definitely go. Well. We have one of our more famous folk songs in Iceland called Ólafur Liljurós. Uh, I'll sing a little bit like Ólafur er með björgum fram, villir hann, stillir hann, hittan fyrir sér alvar hann þar rauður lögin brann. Blíðan lagði byrinn undan björgunum, blíðan lagði byrinn undan björgunum fram. So this song uh, it's a really long song. It's a tale, really. And it goes, like, it repeats over and over and you get to a little more and more of the story. It's about... Uh, so, Olaver Tryggason was the Norwegian king who who Christianized Iceland. I don't know if that's the right word, but he, he got rid of the dirty heathens. And uh, so... We, the they made folk. A, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Icelanders remained heathen <laughs> just in secrecy for long long time after that and they made up a song of him where Olaver he's riding like in the mountains of Iceland being his kingly self and he meets uh, four elven ladies uh, one is like offers him you know mead or beer one is like she's only wearing a belt she's like really hot and enticing him and one has food, and they're like, hey, yo, you want to mm -hmm. come into our elf hole and, 
you know, have some fun, have some... Mm. And he's like, nah, nah, I don't, I don't want to do any of that, that heathen elven stuff. Uh, it, it's against my, my god. And and they're like, okay, fine, you know, if you're going to be that way, could would you cut, could you at least, you know, give me a little kiss? And he's like, <sighs> all right, you know. And he, he gives it like this tiny peck on the cheek. It's like, Neh. And she's like, all right, okay, hang on a second. And she goes into the hole and comes back with a sax and stabs him. <laughs> and he dies. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how so, he dies. Yeah, yeah, the end. So that's why, you know, if elves offer you some, you know, sex and meat and fun, you should, you should accept. You better bloody take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, that's definitely that's definitely supporting what we're saying. If you, you know, if the elves offer you to party, you got to bloody take it. Yeah, I mean, that's another song they teach you as a kid. Uh, you don't really think about that it's about a guy who refuses sex and, and alcohol and get stabbed. You just kind of sing the song because it's jolly. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, on that note, now that we have made our point to the general public, I think uh, I think I think we should stop rambling. Thank you so much, man, for uh, for you know for doing this with me. Yeah, always a pleasure. And hopefully, yeah, and obviously we were hoping to do this in person, but you know. The Ragnarok keeps stopping us from getting to meet in person, so we'll do it at another point. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. So, cheers, and I'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.